Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Hello. I've been working on my good news, bad news jokes all week. The good news, next week... We're going to read the Old Testament in our Emmanuel service. The bad news? All of it. (laughs) This is a good news, bad news joke that was told me by Ben Jones, who was associate vicar here before John. If you ever met Ben, you'll know what makes this extra funny. A man was recovering from critical eye surgery. And the surgeon came in to tell him how it had gone. Which do you want first, the good news or the bad news? The band barely knew what to reply, so he said, give me the good news. And the doctor said, you're getting a dog. (laughs) I can do these all morning if you like and skip the sermon. (laughs) Give me the bad news, said the man to the doctor. How long have I got to live? Ten, said the doctor. Oh, my goodness, said the man. Ten what? Years? Months? Weeks? Nine? Eight? Seven? Six? If you were told there's good news and there's bad news, which one would you want to be told first? We're going to take a vote on it in a minute, so you've only got a couple of seconds to make up your mind. Emmanuel Youth Project, over in the hall, listening, you're going to have to vote as well. So, um, put your hand up if you would want to hear the bad news first. Okay, that's quite a lot. Put your hand up if you want to hear the good news first. Oh, fair old number. We're quite divided on this. Um, I think I can please everyone today because, first of all, I've got some really good news from today's Bible reading, some incredible, life-changing news. Then I've got some bad news that we're going to have to deal with because it's there in the Bible and we can't pretend it isn't. And then I've got more good news, which will just blow everything else out of the water and send us out glad to be alive So everyone wins. All this month, we've been thinking about God's grace, God's unstoppable and immeasurable love for each human being. That love which is staggeringly beyond anything we frail and fallible people deserve and which doesn't require anything on our part to make it happen. Not one thing. That love which says, come in, whoever you are. The love which took Jesus to the absolute limit when he gave everything, 
everything so that we can belong to God. We read the New Testament a lot in church, and it's tempting to think that God's grace began with Jesus, begins at the moment when God um, made the extraordinary decision to walk and talk on this planet as a human. That was, of course, the moment of greatest good news the world has known. But was it the beginning of God's grace? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Every single page of the Old Testament, that's the two-thirds of the Bible before you even get to Jesus, is full of God's loving kindness toward humankind. Every moment since the billionth of a second after atoms started whirling in space is charged with God's desire to pour out his love. The Lord, by his understanding, made the heavens, says the psalm. His love goes on forever. He spread out the earth upon the waters. The writer of the psalm is doing his best to describe the creation of the whole universe. And he's using the best science he had at the time to describe it. I mean, just imagine how um, his mind would be blown if he discovered what we now know and realized that God brought it all into existence. More than that, God loved it into existence because his love goes on forever. Backwards in time, forwards in anticipation. And through every story in the Old Testament, God is shown doing what he does out of love for men, women, and children. More from the psalm. He brought Israel out from slavery in Egypt. Was that because of his grace? Let's ask the psalm. Check. His love endures forever. He divided the Red Sea asunder and brought Israel through it. Was that because of his grace? Let's ask the psalm. Check. His love endures forever. He led his people through the wilderness. Was that because of his grace? Let's ask the psalm. Check. His love endures forever. It is good, good news. And then we get to an awkward bit. And this is where we have to deal with some bad news. It's one of the biggest problems Christians have when they're trying to grasp what God is like. The problem is that the psalm writer then goes on to describe great acts of violence. There were hideous wars. There were grisly deaths of kings. There were bloody invasions of foreign territory. And the psalm writer keeps telling us, that those things too are signs of God's love. And that is, if I'm honest, 
a bit disturbing. Why is the God of grace shown to be so violent? Why does he demand of his people back in the Bronze Age that slaughtering others just because they worship different non-existent gods is the right thing to do and pleases him? I can't pretend there's a fully satisfying explanation for why God should appear to be condoning violence. But I'm going to tell you three ways in which Christians think about it. And they might begin to help. The first way of thinking asks us to consider what true evil is really like. Maybe there are some evils which are so great that only annihilation can deal with them. This suggestion emerged after the Second World War, when the use of atomic bombs in Japan brought hostilities to an end, but at a terrible cost. The religion of the Canaanite people who were wiped out by the Hebrews, the Jews, involved despicable practices such as the sacrifice of children and ritual prostitution. Was this perhaps an evil which was so intolerable that only extreme violence could end it? That, that would make sense of God's plan. I have to say there are problems because God's people, the Hebrews, were themselves persistently fallible and immoral. It's hard to see how a God who is completely just would want innocent children to be killed so that a new group of sinful people could take their place. But it does at least give us a starting point for our thinking. The second way of thinking is the fact that the coming of Jesus has changed everything. More fully than any book or any person, Jesus has shown the world what God is like. The God who is described in the Old Testament demands that when evil is immense, it must be confronted with an army. But Jesus, the God who is described in the New Testament, demands, do not repay anyone evil for evil. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with anyone. Uh, those words come from Paul in the letter to the Romans. Did God perhaps change as a result of the resurrection of Jesus? That's not a perfect way of thinking either, because our psalm has shown that the Old Testament is crammed full of words of mercy and love about God the Creator. But there was a huge change in thinking. For the first three centuries after the New Testament was written, Christians were, without exception, pacifist. The third way of thinking, which I find really helpful, is that although God hasn't changed since time began, the way people understand him has. 
The writers of the Old Testament were only human. They didn't have magical insights which allowed them to think in the way people would come to think many centuries later. So when the Hebrews were victorious in battle, the writers interpreted it as God's reward for worshipping him. But by the time the Christians were writing the New Testament, they had encountered Jesus and been transformed by his teaching. It allowed them to grasp what God wants for the world in a much more accurate way than those who wrote the Old Testament. Jesus changed their way of thinking about war and about God. The whole overarching narrative of the Bible is a painful, stumbling progress from a primitive belief that God demands bloodshed to the belief that God rejects violence and is abounding in love. And that amazing love is the grace in which we stand. The books of the Bible where the life of Jesus is there for us to rejoice in are called Gospels. Do you know what gospel means? It means good news. The grace of Jesus, that amazing grace, is good news. What are we going to do in response to something so magnificent? The last verse of the psalm tells us the one we all joined in together. We are going to respond to God in heartfelt gratitude. Give thanks to the God of heaven, says the psalm, because his love endures forever. If you don't feel, well, what if you don't feel this morning that you are loved by God? What if you're weighed down or fearful or buckling under the strain of coping with 2023? I want to tell you that whatever difficulties you are facing, they do not change the fact that God loves you. This morning, this last Sunday of January, out there, the sun is absolutely cascading down on Croydon. You just can't see it because of all the filthy grey clouds up there, which are the only things you can see. And I want to tell you that the love of God is absolutely blazing down on you this last Sunday in January. It's just that you can't see it because of all the grey, filthy stuff that life is burdening you with. There will be bad news ahead, but God's love endures forever. You can trust him. There will be good news to rejoice in because God's love endures forever. You can thank him. You can give him everything with confidence and faith 
because the whole direction of time and space leads you to you being with him eternally. The good news is love wins. The bad news is destined to end. The good news is that God's grace is so amazing that you can't even bring yourself to finish your sentences. The bad news is Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.